You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, hello, everybody. Natalie Cutler-Welsh here, your host for the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. Today, we're going to be talking about compassionate communication and bridging across differences. I'll be talking to the amazing Irma Jaeger, and she is over in the Motueka area in New Zealand. And I'm excited to dive into this topic now more than ever. We've really needed effective communication. So Irma, welcome to the show. So good to have you here. I'm so delighted. So delighted yes. to have you here. Yeah. Hey, for those of you that have not heard of Irma before, um, I'll give you a little bit of a, a bio here. Irma Jaeger lives cooperatively with seven households in the top of the South Island. She has a passion for food and nutrition, and her family grows about 80% of their own food, meat, veggies, nuts, fruits, honey, cheese, etc. She is a certified trainer through the Center of Nonviolent Communication and supports people from all walks of life to learn the tools of authentic, compassionate communication. She does weekend workshops, one-on-one sessions, and conflict resolution in her local community and beyond. You can find her at wellcom.net.nz. Irma, I'm so thrilled to dive into this topic. I have heard of NVC, which is nonviolent communication, but I really don't know a lot about it. So before we dive into that, though, can you please give us a little bit of your backstory? I noticed you have a little bit of an accent. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that question because, um, you know, people will probably not pick up that I'm, I was born in the Netherlands and uh, my husband and I came to New Zealand in 1995. Uh, new immigrants with an open mind, open heart and we absolutely fell in love with New Zealand and, and this is now our home. Uh, sometimes people ask us like, oh, do you still go back home? But it's like, what do you mean? Like, this is home, you know, the Netherlands is a place to visit, but this is home. And um, yeah, we started off in Nelson. We uh, opened an ice cream cafe, Penguino, which is still there after, well, it's more than, it's it's almost 25 years now. Um, and uh, when we sold in 2004, we really wanted to a change of lifestyle. We realized that our children, um, by that time we had two children and one on the way, they weren't going to go to school and we were looking for a change of lifestyle. And so we ended up on a piece of land with two houses and um, quite organically that has grown into a, a community where the glue that binds us together is, is the way that we've been parenting our children um, and also, uh, the, you know, a sense of self-responsibility, taking responsibility for our food, uh, for our well-being. And um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. It's almost like you're a bit ahead of your time because right now, I think more than ever, people who maybe never really were into growing veggies are suddenly Googling how to grow veggies. Um, and people are really coming together in a community, really look, starting to look after each other, I think, hopefully, a little bit more than before. In your journey, in that experience, what are one or two kind of life lessons or learnings that you've gained about how to have a amiable or successful cooperative living environment? Yes, well, we get asked this very often because uh, some of the people that live with us have been here for more than 15 years. So it's not like a transient community. It's really, this has become our family. Um, and, you know, it seems all quite romantic and like, oh, let's go and share a piece of land. And I've seen it happen over the last couple of years here in my area. People start with a lot of enthusiasm. 
And the moment they start having the same rain on their head mm -hmm. and, you know, there's something that comes up, uh, you know, things erupt. And um, so the thing I, I, I have learned is especially about expectations man that was a really it was a really hard lesson because i realized that when we moved here with friends i did have expectations of them and i hadn't really named them they were sort of unspoken and so i had this image that you know we were all going to work on the land together and then the reality was different and i got very upset and and you know i was frustrated at times and so that was a real yeah a real valuable lesson for me to um so either speak out when there's certain expectations and, and really name them and, and, and check in with people when they are new to, to join or when they're starting a group. And but mostly actually to let go of expectations. And so um, and um, yeah, it was it was hard at times. You know, there was a lot of, of sadness when 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 actually things didn't work out. Um, the other thing I have learned is that communication is key. And I'm so grateful that the people we are living with, they all have an interest in taking responsibility for their own feelings and needs and having the tools to communicate from that place. So, you know, when there's something up here, it gets addressed straight away. You know, sometimes maybe five minutes later or an hour later, but there is, there's no things that are festering here because we really all value open communication. And there's this trust between us that when I'm sharing something that isn't working for me, it doesn't mean that the other is wrong. You know, this whole right and wrong thinking, which is so prevalent in the outside world, is something that I've really, I've, I've, I've figured away from it. I don't, want to, I don't want to look at the world like that anymore. What I'm doing is actually looking at my needs who might not be fulfilled at times and sharing from that place and making requests of people if maybe they can do something a bit different. So, so those are actually a, a few of the things. And I think it's also important that if you have a, a communal living that you have a, as I said, a shared glue, and I and it doesn't matter what it is, you know. For us, it's you know we all eat meat and we are fine when you know when there is a home kill on our land, you know. Then and and it would be harder for someone to step into our community who was really strongly vegan, and it doesn't mean that I have anything against them, but it's more like well, you start your community and that can be your glue, that you have a plant based diet. And then as all these communities together, we, we still have so much in common and we can actually uh, thrive. And um, that's what we're hoping to do here in our, in our area is, is, is to connect with other communities of like minds. Yeah. Well, there, there's a call out there. So if you're listening and you're in a community similar or different, you can definitely reach out and get in touch with Irma. So you mentioned, number one, I want to go back to the expectations because I think expectations is such a critical area in all types of relationships. Um, and I was wondering if you were going to say, you know, lower the expectations, but you said let go of expectations, which is much nicer. Um, and how has that worked? For, has everyone done similar? Because I imagine some people come in with, you know, a certain level of expectations of other people. Some people like to be very productive and work hard and other people value being present and being able to go with the flow. So different personalities, different styles of of living um has that been a key is just to kind of release and allow people to be who they are oh i love how you're framing that because that's exactly what i've experienced or what i've grown to really appreciate is that everyone has something to contribute and especially when i let go of expectations people can shine because there's not that uh, sense of a demand over them 
And um, in our case, um, so my husband and I are the, the landowners. I, I do between quotation, quotation marks because mm -hmm. it's more like we're guardians of the land. So people who have joined us in the past have sometimes looked up at us. It's like, oh, they're the landlords. And, and yet we've really worked hard to actually to lower that, that and, and, and have, a, have, a, have a, a sense of equality on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, sure, we look after the rates. We look after some of the infrastructure. And people pay us some money in exchange for living here, which is way below the commercial rate. So we have a, have a way of sharing that takes away the pressure of, um, well, you have to be like this to be, to be accepted in this community. And I think it's, it's a trust that has grown uh, a ver on a very deep level. And yeah, if I, if I see one of the people, you know, we share a garden with two other um, households, not, not with all seven, like we do different things with different people. If I notice that, you know, our garden is getting out of control with weeds and stuff, I mean, in the past, I might have tried to blame it on someone else. Now, when I express it, it's like, gosh, you know, I notice I'm feeling overwhelmed. So I, I, I bring it back to myself. And I think that's the language that we have here, that we have in common. I, this is what's going on for me. And, and the moment we start with you, it's, it's mostly with that finger pointing. You don't do enough. Or you said you would. It's more like, hey, I look at the garden. I feel overwhelmed. I'm really longing for some support. You know, can we have a talk together? Like, what shall we do in the next couple of weeks? And then from that place, I notice the energy is dropping. There's an openness. And then also creativity can flow. Because if the other two people say, well, I, gosh, you know, I really don't have capacity or I have a sore arm or something. Like, okay, what else can we do? Oh, well, let's put a post on the woofing website and get some help from outside. But we don't get stuck in the strategies of like, you have to do this. And um, yeah, it brings a lot of ease into, into how we live together. Mm. I think all of us can take a note from that. And the scenario you're talking about is obviously the scenario of a garden, but it can be applied to any situation like, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed with the kids. You know, I don't know if it's just me, but I noticed. And then together in a, in a marriage or in a family, but rather than saying, you know, I'm the one who, why am I always the one who has to drive them to the, the their hip hop practice or whatever? So I would love to dive more into that if you can give us in a moment a few more examples of, you know, here's what not to say or, or whatever, or here is, here's the best way to say, you know, either some certain phrases that you know work really well. Yes. This is something I'm working on. And if you guys haven't listened to some of our past episodes, you can head over to the replays on realitycheck.radio, click replays, scroll down to Up Your Brave and check out some of our previous shows because we talk a little bit about self-leadership and staying positive in turbulent times. We have a whole bunch of topics. And Irma, today, you know, something I've been working on is leadership of myself, specifically around what I call empowered languaging. I don't know if you use that phrase, but being very aware of what I'm saying in my own head to myself, but also to other people in my life, be they clients or friends or my partner or my kids. Um, so I'm just an open book here. I'm ready to learn from you today. I'm really excited to share some of your wisdom, you know, beyond obviously the community and the people you work with, with our wider community on RCR. So can you, let's go there now. Let's talk about um, phrasing or or wording. If someone is feeling a little bit un unhappy or a little disgruntled about something in, in their life with somebody else in their life, what is the best like conversation starter that's going to go in a good direction instead of a bad one? Yeah. 
Well, I, I will I will keep that question in mind. But what I would love is just to give a little bit of a, an overview because we've used this weird nonviolent communication and you've introduced me as a, as a certified trainer. But I would actually really share with the people who are listening like where does that word come from, nonviolent yes. communication? And I use it sort of intermittently with compassionate communication. But, but the word nonviolent communication is something that was developed um, in the 1960s by Marshall Rosenberg. Um, he became dissatisfied with his explanations of human behavior while he was working uh, as a clinical psychologist. And he was just, he, he, he realized that then there's got to be something different. And so um, fast forward, you know, a few decades, he wrote a book called um, Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. And in that book, he describes both a set of, a very practical set of skills to help connect with ourselves and with others. Um, and, and that's in a way that values everyone's needs. That's basically like in, in a nutshell, that's what it is about. And how I see it is that in our society, in our Western society, we are raised with the understanding that if you have what you need, I can't have what I want or what I need. There, we, we, I see it all around me. All our languaging is, allowed, is about lack. It's not about abundance. And yet when we have the tools to become aware of our needs and, and then the capacity to also be aware of yours, we can always find strategies that work for everyone. But it's not, you know, it's not how we're raised. You know, it's the same as if if you think you're right, then it must mean that I'm wrong. You know, we have these these polarized views of the world, and um, with nonviolent communication, we're actually leaving all that behind, and we're really connecting first and foremost with ourselves, but then also um, with you know what's going on for you. Like we can become curious, like oh, what what is it? What's going on for you? And how can I how can I make your life more beautiful? So, so that practical set of skills um, is something that helps us. But for me, it's more than that. And so I, I, I totally get that you, you ask this question, like, oh, what do you do if someone is disgruntled? Uh, and I can certainly, and we, we can do a few examples of that, but I'd love to share that for me, it's, it's also a consciousness. Mm. It, it's how I see the world. It's how I see humanity. And it's, it's just what I said, it's shifting away from right and wrong. And it goes to quite an extreme level. Like if I, if I hear about someone who's been stealing or a, a thief, we would label a thief, you know, I, I can build up an enemy image. And that's what we do in our, in our Western society, that we then see them as, 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 as bad and wrong and we put them in a prison. And that's it. And we dehumanize them. Whereas I'm longing for a world, and there's many NPC trainers around the world that actually work in prisons, is to see even the beauty in this man or woman. And to see that the strategy of stealing, it's a strategy for an underlying need. And the underlying need is beautiful, always. And it, it's sometimes a stretch, you know, especially in those situations. But if, as long as we don't see those people as real people with, with needs as well, what happens is they come out of prison and they reoffend because they haven't, they haven't actually really experienced what it is. And, and, and they can't really connect with the impact on someone else if they're not connected to themselves. So, um, so, so one, well, there's, there's actually three basic premises of NVC, and then, then we can go into a bit more of sort of um, examples. But how I see it is that we're compassionate by nature and naturally enjoy contributing to the welfare of others when we can do so willingly so without any sense of guilt or shame or obligation 
And now, of course, if we think back over the last three years, this hasn't happened. And this is why I think so many of us have become very upset and frustrated because there wasn't, there wasn't a, an option. You know, there were demands from like a power over system on us. And I sometimes think back, like, what would it have been if our government had, had you know, had these skills and had a way somehow set up, I don't know, through the use of, of, of Internet to actually connect with the people and say, hey, what shall we do? What shall we do together to have safety in our country? It would have been so different. But no, it, would have, it, was- it would have been so different. And I love and just coming back to that question that you mentioned earlier. Imagine if we asked. Well, imagine if the government asked us, but also imagine if we all asked each other, what's going on for you and how can I make your your life more beautiful? What an incredible question. And and I really love and appreciate how you highlighted to us. It's not so much about what to say, what not to say. It's more about your philosophy or, you know, your the way that you view humanity and, and people. And therefore that trickles into how we treat them. And then obviously the, the words that we speak and how we speak them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And so there's one other basic understanding of NVC is that we all share the same basic universal needs. And that's our point of connection. Whether you are living in the Motueka Valley or in Auckland or in New York or in Africa, how I see it is that we're all born with this basic set of needs. And of course, when we're we're little babies, it's nourishment, it's uh, safety and security. They are on top. And for some people, that's still the same. They can barely meet those needs, those basic needs that we all know, food, water, shelter. But what... Not everyone in New Zealand even has those needs met. But those of us who have, we can then go to other needs. Like for me, I have a really strong need for uh, community. Uh, Also for honesty. And I know that you have that too, Natalie. But at times, you know, something else might be on top. So it doesn't mean that we, we all have the same intensity of that need alive in each moment, but we can all relate to it. And what has really been, for me, so obvious is these last three years, is like the people that we're choosing to get the vaccine and the people that we're choosing to not get the, the jab. When I look back to the needs, I think both of us had needs for health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Like we share the same need underneath, but we chose different strategies. So, so if we become aware of it, it's at, a, at, that, at that level of strategies that we have the conflict. That's where we have the separation. And that's where we like, if you have what you have, then I can't have mine. But then I'm going into it like, yeah, but where can we find strategies that meet all our needs? And I, I, I've, I've seen it. It's magic. Once we become aware of our needs, we find ways that work for everyone. But it's not in the interest of, the, you know, the power over system because it's, it's a lot easier to control people when they're divided. And I'm, I'm so committed. And that's why I wanted to be here today. I'm so committed to weave our communities back together. I don't want to be in these trenches anymore. It's like we've been in a war, you know, and you were in a trench on both sides. It's like, wow, how did that happen? And I want to climb out and I want to make a bridge. And I want to climb out and make a bridge. And I also don't want us to quickly run back to the trenches if something else happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's, a, that's a, what I'm hearing is that you really would like this, that this, this has been such an, an intense period and that you're really longing that we, that we actually learn from this. Mm, that's and right. That not just that. Yeah. Not that just let's just move on, but let's yeah. learn because look how easily things happened and how people suddenly, you know, the daub in your neighbor mentalities that 
how easily people adopted that or adapted to that. And it's like, let's not jump back in the trenches. Yeah. Yes. And, and for that, I think we need to have conversations. We, we need to, and what my sense is, is that um, the people that have gone along with most of the, the, you know, what's been offered by the, by the government these last few years, they are like, well, can we just carry on? Can we just forget about it and move on? And I've recently had some conversations with people that had that experience. And when they realize that for me, that I'm, 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 I'm really trying to move on, but I don't want to do it too quickly because I'm worried that I'm actually leaving behind some kind of trauma that's not dealt with. Mm-hmm. So I actually want to be, I, I long to be heard. And so I've started these conversations with people. And, and I see that, you know, recently someone was in tears when they, they realized, you know, they were like, yeah, you know, it was all good what the government did. But then when they listened to my experience, they were tears. And then there was a big hug. And, the one, and then for me, that's where the healing happens. And then it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm a little bit step closer to being able to move on. Um, yes, and, and, and hopefully by doing that and, and for sharing our impacts on us in a way that people can hear it, hey? because it's very tempting to, to label the other side as well and say, oh, you were you know, slaves or sheep or all that. That that's not when we can be heard, you know. We we need we need something different. I think that and the something different comes from something you said, which is we we just chose a different strategy, and that kind of makes me drop my shoulders a little bit. Like, oh yeah, that's that's a good point. We did choose because in my life, we we definitely chose different strategies in my own household, and it was tough. Um, so the, just, just hearing you say that is like, oh yeah, we did too. We both wanted the same thing. We both wanted wellness for our children and ourselves. And we just have different takes on what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And what a difference that is, hey, if we can, you know, I, I, when you said like dropping your shoulders is a bit like you can lower your guard a little bit because all of a sudden you can see each other's humanity. And, and the moment we step back into trying to come up with facts and opinions, it's often where we d- disconnect. And I, I mean, I do love a good discussion, absolutely do. But I've noticed over the last few years that it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible to do that and keeping the connection. And so for me, like, yes, I, I love a good discussion, but not at the cost of my relationship. So this, this is when I then would back off and actually start more checking in like, hey, um, and, and that's something that, you know, um, for people that are listening and saying, yeah, but how do I start these conversations? It's to become, come in with a, in a space of really not wanting to be talking about opinions. And, but asking more on the levels of like, you know, you know, what are you feeling and needing? What, you know, how, how was it for you? And, um, you know, or even when you think about these last three years, like what comes up for you? And so you're completely moving away from, from opinions and thoughts and comparisons and judgments. And another thing that I read I'd like is like asking people like, you know, do you have any mourning about how you have responded? Because I actually think there's a lot of people in New Zealand that might actually feel ashamed or guilty, like some, some kind of guilt of the way they've treated others, and yet they don't have quite have the courage to say, hey, Irma, I called you a conspiracy theorist. And when I think back of that, I've, I feel just appalled at my own, you know, why I did that, because I didn't see you for who you are. For me, that would be like, 
thank you. I, I don't need a sorry. Mm. I don't need like, oh, that, that I would love to just that acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you're not seeking or waiting for an apology as such, but it's the acknowledgement. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm aware that I can, sometimes you can wait till forever to get an acknowledge from someone specifically and it will not happen. And that's where I then go, oh yeah, when, when I want it from someone specifically, it becomes another strategy. You have to tell me that you regret what you did. And I try to find my acknowledgement in a, in a broader sense. And this is why, you know, uh, connecting with people that have had a similar experience or, you know, even, even doing this with you now, for me, this, this, this helps me for my healing and my sense of acknowledgement around my choices. So I don't want to get stuck on this person needs to. Mm-hmm. And know, because that's that. coming back to expectation, is it not? Yeah, 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 it is, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, uh, another thing that uh, I, I know that when we hear about communication, we so often think about how I communicate with someone else. Um, but I would like to take it a step back and it's about, it actually starts with my own self-talk. What am I telling myself? What stories do I have about myself? And so it's the internal voice that is telling me that, oh, I, I talk too much. I talk too fast. I, I'm not a good mother. Like, I don't know. I mean, people, I really invite people actually to write some of these, these things down. Like, what, what are your beliefs about yourself? And, um, and when I can shift from that to translate that judgment so, for example, I'm just, 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 I'm just making this up. When I say, oh, I talk too much, um, I go like, oh, mm, yeah. So that's a quite a harsh inner critic. But when I have a little moment, I go like, okay, so, so when I think back to this radio interview with Ned and I realize I was talking 95% of the time, so I'm making an observation. That's already quite different from I talk too much. I'm bringing it back to the fact. And I, make, I try to make a real guess, like, yeah, I was talking 95% of the time. And then I check in. Then the next step in that model is actually, what am I feeling? Hmm. Yeah, notice I'm feeling um, a bit insecure. I'm feeling um, uh, sad, you know, or I'm, you know, so, so I'm, I'm actually checking in, like, what, what's going on? So you can see I've completely stepped away from my own judgment. I'm actually going inward and say, oh, this is what's going on. And then, you know, I'm, I'm aware that I'm making this up, but, you know, my need would be probably around uh, inclusion. You know, if I, take, if I talk 95% of the time and you speak only 5%, and if this was not in an interview situation, I, I, I'm, I'm sad because I didn't actually fulfill that need for inclusion for, for us, for both of us. Um, and I might also have, be, have a need for um, shared reality. You know, I'd love to hear from you. So, so I'm, I'm able to shift. And, and this is basically the, the model of NVC is that you start with an observation and then you check in with your feelings and your needs. And then you come to a request. Yeah. I'd love to ask our audience, if you're listening to us live or you're listening to us later, what is coming up for you in terms of that internal dialogue that Irma mentioned? Some people will be, I talk too much. Some people will be like, oh, I probably should talk more. You know, they do the opposite or various other 
observations or judgments on yourself. It's interesting. So I just came today from my business networking club that I run at the beach, which is so amazing. And today we were actually inside at the cafe because the weather was not fabulous. Um, but it's interesting, you know, now and then over the years, I have heard many people say, oh, I talk too much. And then they keep talking. And for some people, they're either they just need to be heard because they don't have a lot of opportunity where people will just listen or give them that attention. So they're really enjoying it and they're feeling comfortable enough to to be authentic and to share, which I love creating that type of environment. But I find for some other people, it's they're uncomfortable with the silence and they feel like if no one answers, they have to just kind of keep going. And with you today, I'm loving your wisdom. So I'm just letting you go. Um, But is that something to be aware of is, is the discomfort around silence and people Mm. filling that void? Yeah. And so that's, again, it's like, you know, when, when, like when you're telling yourself you're talking too much and you're connected to your needs of inclusion, and then you notice that you want to start talking again, it's again, back like, gosh, you know, I notice I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling nervous. And, and probably it's around, uh, you know, a, a need for reassurance that, you know, that, in that space or maybe trust something out of trust that the silence is actually, you know, it's something actually that we can grow to and learn to love and appreciate. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it, it always comes back to that place of like, what is it that I'm needing? And it changes all the time. You know what I said, those needs, they, 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 they pop up and then, then, then another one pops up. You know, if I haven't eaten for six hours, my need for food goes right on top. <laughs> but then once that is fulfilled, that need, and something else goes up, and I might have a need for connection. And um, the other thing what I'd like to say was, is about, you know, the need to be heard. It's a beautiful universal need. And, and some people find it hard when they use that word need because they think, oh, I'm being needy. You know, it's, it's, it's how it's used in our language. So I also like to rephrase it to like it's a longing, mm. really long to be heard. It sounds quite different for me. Same. I do a lot of work in the area of human design and we use the phrase, what do you desire? And we even use it like, do I desire to eat a hamburger or do I desire a salad? But we use the phrase desire, which is different from want and different from need. It has a different energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and, And what I see in our society is that some people, they, yeah, they speak way more than others. And I'm still wondering if their need to be heard is met. So I, when I, when I am with friends, and especially friends where there's this real yummy trust between us, and and I notice that my friends is just keeps going on, I, I would say, hey, can we have a pause? Because I I would like to to keep connected, and I notice that I'm actually going into my own space because I'm I'm a bit overwhelmed with the amount of of words, and and what I also do then is bring in a reflection. Oh, can we just have a pause? And I just want to capture that, like, and then I I sort of say in my own words what I've just heard. And that's when they really have a sense of being heard mm. because going one way, I mean, it helps that, I'm, you know, the listeners are not seeing you, but I'm looking at your face. I have a sense that you're really present, but I'm very aware of when I'm speaking. Like when I see someone look at their watch or, or looking at the sky, it's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm guessing that there is not the connection that I'm actually longing for. So I take responsibility. And I, and I take a pause and say, hey, how was this for you to listen to me for five minutes? And then I really want to create space. Yeah. And I, so, I, it's interesting because while I find some people 
do want to be heard. You know, other people maybe they they're not they're not speaking their truth. Like they're not saying what they want. They're holding back. They're editing. Mm. Um, they're self-editing or they're they're nervous about what the person might think. And so there's a lot of background noise in that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't be responsible for that. But if I have a sense that that's what's going on, I, I might make a guess. You know, so are you a bit nervous to speak out? And 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 again, there's that magic of of a real human trying to 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 from the heart make a guess. It's like, are you feeling nervous? Like, you know, have you experienced in the past that when you're speaking your truth that you're, you know, that you, you, you're met with some very strong uh, uh, judgments? And so they might need some reassurance that they actually really can speak freely. Yeah. In one of our previous shows, we talk about, you know, relationships and communication and um, one of our previous interviews. And obviously this nonviolent communication, or as you call it, compassionate communication I imagine it can be a game changer in terms of the shifting the, not just the dynamic in a relationship, but the energy in a relationship. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, have I, you yeah. seen like marriages, you know, recovered or even sibling rivalry shift, you know, just through using some of these techniques? Yes. So I, uh, one, one of the things I offer is conflict resolution or mediation uh, based on NVC principles. So it's not about, you know, the, the conflict resolution where every, both parties come with demands and then you meet somewhere in the middle. And, and, and what, you, what you get then is a compromise. Mm -hmm. And a compromise is where we both share the pain equally. So we're both actually equally still upset because neither of us have had what we wanted. But we're, we're, we're coming. And, and that's, again, it's in this, in this Western society. That's what, what we do. That's what mediators do. And... And, and you ask more because you know you're not going to get it all. So the NVC-based approach and, uh, is, is about conflict resolution, is that to actually bring up the needs in the, in the two different parties. And, yeah, I've had couples in my room where they come in, they don't even look at each other. They're not talking to each other. They're not looking at each other. And they are at, you know, completely at a loss. Like, how do we – because they need to make arrangements about kids or whatever. And – and for me, yeah, there's a there's a a model that I use where I'm just really listening and, and harvesting the needs. And so often it's to be heard, to be acknowledged. And so then I get people to to say it back to each other. But in the beginning, they talk to me. And then, you know, after an hour, the first time they look at each other, that's when I have tingling and goosebumps all over. And I said that this is why I do this. And actually, I, I'm doing it for the parents, but actually I'm doing it for the kids. Mm. Yeah. So I, I absolute magic, and it's it. Yeah, there needs to be a willingness for people to be vulnerable, especially if you have enemy images of each other. You know, enemy images are static judgments. Like if I see someone throw away some kind of rubbish, I have an instant judgment, but that's fleeting. You know, it changes. But an enemy image, and I can tell you, I've, I've got some very strong enemy images still from our politicians. It's hard to shift them because I, I don't have an opportunity to connect with them. So they, they are for me the hardest ones. But if I have enemy images within my circle of friends or family, I really want to shift it, mostly for myself. Because it's, it's, it's a very unpleasant experience that every time they say or do something, I'm adding it to my pile of judgments. But it's, 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 it's sort of in my tummy. It's, it feels yak. So uh, to become aware of those enemy images, um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it takes work. It's work. 
That is a phrase I've never heard before. Um, and I love that. I love when I learn something new like that. And it does, as I say, pass the eyebrow test. It makes me go, oh, lean in and go raise my eyebrows and tell me more. So is that something, I imagine it's something that we all have. We just never called it that. Um, yeah. How do we shift that? If we, mm-hmm. if we can, if we can at least acknowledge that we have that with one or two or more people in our lives and we go, well, this makes me feel yuck. I don't really want to be labeling them or, or adding to the pile of rubbish as such. How do we shift that? How do we let it, let that go? Yeah, well, so, so this is, is this is the work, and this is the process of of for me NVC, where NVC really has helped me, and I see many others, is to really go back to the observation. And so, so when something happens in the moment, and they they you know uh, a friend is doing something, and it's adding to that judgment that was already there, is to bring it back to the observation. And an observation, it it seems like oh that's easy. But, you know, a wise man, Krishnamurti says, you know, to observe without judgment is the highest form of human intelligence. It is. It's so hard. It's so hard to make, make an actual observation. And yet when I can do that, then I can separate what's mine and what actually happened. And then I can start getting in touch. It's like, what, what are the feelings coming up? Like maybe annoyed, angry, frustrated, but very often underneath it's something else. Maybe, maybe sometimes feeling lonely or, or um, you know, vulnerable or overwhelmed. And, and then when I'm making that shift, you know, I, I notice a softening in me and, and it's no longer about that person. It's not about then saying, oh, yeah, no, he or she can just do whatever they want. No, I want to get to a place where I can actually communicate with them. But I need to do the inner work first because if I try to communicate from that enemy image, I just might as well just give up. Because people will go into defense. You know, you say one thing and there's this big defense coming up. And it's so, so interesting. It is bringing up a few things for me that I would just want to piggyback onto is you talked about conflict resolution ver- versus compromise. And for me, over the past few years, you know, having gone head to head with a significant other and so many people said, can't you guys just a- agree to disagree? Mm-hmm. You know, and can't you guys just just kind of compromise and move on? And, and, and that was hard to do. And then it's sometimes, then I kind of tried this approach where it was like, okay, Nat, everyone's on their own journey. Like everyone, you know, everyone's, you know, don't try to change someone. So I tried to do that approach, which is just allow them to be who they are. (laughs) (laughs) But I keep falling back into that enemy thing. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's really hard. And I'm not saying this is easy. And yet I think the, the awareness is already a huge step towards at least being able to see your other half as a human and not see them as, a, as an enemy who's trying to get you and trying to put you down or whatever. It's, it's just moving to that place where we can both see our humanity and um, and seeing that, you know, what he is doing is also trying to fulfill his needs in, in his particular way, as long as it's not in conflict with, you know, the strategy that you're choosing. And that's, this is, again, back to that principle, which is another core principle of NVC, is to have power with people. Like the moment I have power over someone, I, I'm using my authority to, to get people to, to follow orders, basically. And, and that's where I'm very strong. So nonviolent communication is not about being nice. It's not about being polite. It's about radical honesty, but with care for the other. 
And of course, it needs someone on the other side that's also willing to be radically honest with care. And, and that's where we can make the shift. And so when, when we're talking about conflict resolution, yeah, instead of compromise, I'm looking for a shift in both people. But a, a, an actual shift because they both, you know, they're both realizing that it, it's causing a lot of um, distress in me to have an enemy image of someone else. And so it, just even for me, I want to shift it. I want to shift it. Like, you know, if I had an enemy image about Jacinda Ardern, do you think she cares? Do you think it has anything, any, any impact on her? No, but who is impacted by it? It's me. Yes. You know, I, 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 my health suffers, like my, everything, my life, my, my, my joy. And I, I don't want to give away my power like that. And so this is where I, I, I want to bring it back to myself because I, you know, that's another a, a universal need is power in my world. It's, it's beautiful. And I, I, it's, it's really strong for me. I want to have power in my world. But if I'm giving away my power to someone else because, you know, I see them as an enemy image and, and I think they have power over me, I'm not looking after my needs. I love how so much of what you're saying, it just links so nicely into a lot of the topics we've covered over the past few weeks. So once again, you guys check out the replays. Like we talked one week about owning your power. We talked about self-leadership and I love how these themes keep coming up and they're all interrelated. And I feel like now more than ever as a society and now more than ever in many, many households across New Zealand, not is the time for embracing some of these strategies or techniques with the nonviolent communication, compassionate communication. We do need to be, or I, or I could say need, ready. I'm ready to be more compassionate with my communication. I can be pretty opinionated. Let's be, let's be honest. Um, and I think that your emphasis around shifting away from opinion and moving more into you know, what's needs and like what's going on for you and how can I make your life more beautiful? I'm going to take that on board. Oh. Cool. And I think we could talk for another whole weekend together. Like there's so much to this. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, we indeed we could. So I would love to ask you a few questions that I ask all of my guests. My first one is, what is one thing that you have done, achieved or navigated in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Mm. Yeah, so um, uh, I'm part of the Rural uh, Volunteer Fire Brigade here in the Valley. And because of my choices, uh, even as a volunteer, I was mandated. And it was really hard. It was, you know, because from our place, we can hear the siren go. And when the siren goes, we were not allowed to go. I'm saying we because my daughter was also mandated. And she was 17 at the time. And so that was really hard. And, and it, you know, part of me just wanted to throw it away. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going back. So after seven months, we, we, we got the invitation, like, oh, yeah, you're back. It's, it, it's almost like in my old life, I would have just gone, no, I'm not coming back. You know, like, you've done this to me, mm -hmm. I'm not coming back. And yeah, it was really hard to step back into that team. Um, if it wasn't for some of them that had been absolutely dismayed, uh, including our chief, you know, they really, they really didn't like the strategies. They, they, they were very upset that we couldn't be there. Um, it was hard to walk back in and I am grateful that I'm connected to choice that I'm really like another thing, like a need for choice is, is, it's huge. And we all have that and that I could connect, like I don't have to go back. 
but I want to go back. Mm. Why do I want to go back? Because my need for community and support. And also, I love being part of a group of people that are so different from me, like that diversity. You know, I, I get to hang out with guys that I normally wouldn't, they wouldn't maybe be my friends, but, you know, we have this common purpose. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a challenge to step back into it. And now we've been back for quite a few months and, and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy we did because I, yeah, I got over myself. Exactly. It's almost like your desire for those things you mentioned, connection, community, diversity was greater than the ego pull of yeah. like, no, like folding your arms. <laughs> I'm not going back. You know, you see what you did to me. You can yeah. ha live without me. It's so easy to fall into that. Um, but obviously your your desire was greater and you made that empowered choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. thank you for reflecting that back. I notice I have goosebumps when I when I hear you reflect back what mm. I just said, and I love it. It's a it's a it's a wonderful example, which you come it comes quite naturally for you, it seems like. <laughs> um to just sort of reflect back what you've just heard. And that's that's there's so much power in that. And I wish that you know people would have that skill even more. It's like, oh, is this what was going on for you? Mm. And it's like, ah, oh, yes. And, and so there's that sense of acknowledgement, maybe not by some other people, but I'm 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 fulfilling that need right now. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's a little invitation for anyone listening is you don't have to be a radio host, right? But you can interview in a way, right? You can, it's more than just talking to someone or chatting or having a discussion. You can actually dig a little deeper than you normally would. People do crave that, that deeper level of conversation rather than just the surfacey stuff. And and the reflecting back, thank you for acknowledging that is so powerful. And the other thing is, your story, Irma, of being mandated and then having the, I would say, courage, you know, to go back in and to be able to to move forward with these people and not hold grudges is a very common story. It's not always the fire brigade, but for a lot of people in their workplace or their, at, maybe they worked at a cafe or, or in a corporate workspace or whatever, hospital, et cetera. I mean, it's tragically very, very common. And some people, you know, I guess we're hopefully welcome back with open arms and other people, it might've been really quite awkward. Um, I, when I talked to Pat Armistead a few weeks back, we talked about rehumanizing the workplace. And that is what we're doing. We're rehumanizing the workplaces and the community spaces and coming together again. So I think some of a lot of the strategies you've shared with us today around NVC will be helpful. Mm -hmm. My second question is about bucket list. Uh, I have this, this um, section of my show called the bucket list busters. What is one thing on your bucket list that possibly the, the up your brave community can help you with? Well, I have this dream that every village, every town in New Zealand has someone with these communication skills. And you don't need to be a certified trainer. Like any anyone that has has a, a a desire to bring people together and to support people listening, because that's often what it is. Like conflict resolution or mediation, it sounds really big, and you need to be trained. But actually, all it is, and we do it all the time as parents. You know, when there's two siblings that are not quite finding their way, is we we try to support listening. And I really wish that this was something that would be taught in schools and that every small little community would have people that people can turn to when things are a bit rough and someone that can hold space. And um, yeah, and this is why I guess I, I keep sharing NVC because I think that's one of the tools that can support this and to give people the confidence 
that you know you you, you can do this and you, in fact you're doing this all the time but you can step up a little bit maybe and say hey when i'm noticing that two neighbors are fighting and i'm the third neighbor it's like hey shall we sit together and can can we just you know maybe support some some presence and i wish that that would become natural I think is you're that, right. Is that okay to have it on a bucket list? I mean, I mean, I yeah. can say I want to do a skydive or a bungee jump, but I, I know this this is more meaningful to me. Yes, of course, because it's had such a massive impact not only in your community where you live in the in the cooperative community, but all the people you've worked with. You've seen everything over the years. I know you're one of I think it is eleven in New Zealand that are certified trainers, but you're saying we can all use these skills. And to be the neighbor that has the the courage or the confidence or the humility to say, hey, would it be helpful if I help, you know, facilitated a bit of a conversation here? Because sometimes we can't do it on our own. We're a little bit too close. Yeah. It's a little bit too emotive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Definitely. That's a great thing to ask. So there you go. So if anyone um, is interested in nonviolent communication and wants to learn those skills a bit more. This leads me so nicely to my next question, which is what's coming up for you? How can people connect you or find you or follow you online if they want to learn more about this? Mm. Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, I want to acknowledge that. So I'm I'm based in the top of the South and I love doing in-person, like face-to-face -face, uh, workshops. So I have a, a beginner's intermediate workshop coming up uh, at the end of May, the 20th and 21st of May in, in Nelson in the city. Um, but I also would love to, to, to for people to find other trainers around New Zealand. So we have a website, nvc.org.nz, which is where not just the certified trainers, but anyone who's offering NVC and has has got some some a bit of experience and has had some support from other trainers, um, they are listed on that website. And so from Dunedin to the far north, there's people like mm -hmm. me that have this shared passion and a similar understanding. Uh, and then, yeah, people can find me on my website, well, welcome.net.nz. So it's Can you well, spell that? Yeah. Yeah. W-E-L-L, -L, well, and com is from communication, C-O-M-M.net.nz. Um, and it's something because we haven't even talked about it, but I have a huge passion for uh, food and nutrition and I work as a health coach and I, I bring the communication and, and the self-talk around food together um, and support people to make changes in their lifestyle and diet. And so on that website, you can send me a message. Uh, you can follow me. Uh, I sometimes write blogs when I'm inspired. <laughs> and um, yeah, I would love to hear from some people. I think this is great. I think this conversation today will have sparked some ideas for some people and also kind of reminded us the importance of communicating with compassion. Um, and also for other people, it might have been the fact that you live on this co-op and, and doing the veggie gardening, and it might have even re-inspired some people to kind of, uh, pun intended, you know, dig deeper into that area of their life. Um, before we wrap things up, is there anything else, Irma, that you wanted to share with our audience today? Yeah, what's really important for me is that, you know, even just a slight, tiny little bit of awareness is, is celebrated. So, because sometimes I have a sense that people go like, oh, you know, oh, that's not NVC. And they start sort of being really harsh to themselves. I, I would, I, I'd like to look at it like, you know, gosh, you know, you're, you're aware of this and, 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 and allow mourning. You know, if you've said something that was hard and that you don't like anymore, just feel the grief and, and do some mourning, but then move on or go back to that person and say, gosh, you know, when I, and I've done that often with my kids, I really didn't like what I said to you this morning. I wish I, I I wish I'd said like this. 
and it's 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 leading by example of like you know i'm not it's not about being perfect but it's about being real and being honest I, I, it's interesting. I'm just smiling because it's almost like we can say, hey, can we? Can I try that again? You know, going and talking to your teenager. Hey, you know that conversation we had 10 minutes ago? I wanted to apologize. That did not go the way that I, I really wanted it to. Can we, can we give that another go? Yeah. And it's almost like I think they'd be open to it. You know, the teenager or the partner or the coworker, whoever it might be. Yep. We, we call it a do-over. Oh, can we just delete all of that? <laughs> give, give five minutes space and just start again. And then, and then both of us, you know, uh, have this have, have shifted to an, of an intention of connection because mm. that's actually what's often behind it. It's like actually I want to connect, and yet we're we're choosing words that connect us further, disconnect us further. You know, so yeah, I love that as a closing message. You don't have to do it perfectly. You mm. can do a do over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much, Irma, for joining us today. You're welcome. I've loved every minute of it. Same. It's been amazing to connect with you. And your workshop sounds amazing. Enjoy life in Nelson. I think I mentioned to you before we recorded, I used to live in Anakiwa in the Mulber Sounds when I worked for two and a half years um, at Outward Bound. So it's a gorgeous area over there. Shout out to all my friends in Nelson. I've got a lot of friends over that way. And um, one final question I would love to ask you, what is one of your favorite places in New Zealand and why? Uh, Farariki Beach in Golden Bay. Uh, I think that's the place where my husband and I fell in love when we visited New Zealand in 1993. And that image of that beach, oh, do you know it? No, I don't. <gasps> and I love beaches. Uh, it, it's, it's got West Coast vibes, but even though it's in Golden Bay, but you're going sort of over more to the West Coast. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite places in the world. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, this has been so valuable. And what I just would love from our audience is anything you can take from today that you can maybe integrate if you want to, no pressure, integrate into your life, into your relationships, into your communication to help us really reconnect and have stronger, healthier relationships. Today, we were talking to Irma Jaeger about compassionate communication, bridging across differences. Thanks, Irma. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.